Now it's time for Modern Money Donuts with Stephen Hale and Gabrielle Bond. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Modern Money Donuts, a show about modern monetary theory and ecological economics. I'm Gabrielle Bond. I'm the organiser with the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group in Adelaide in South Australia. And I'm also a director and CEO of Modern Money Lab, where I work with Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm okay, thanks, Gabby. How are you? Good. Yeah, good. good. Nice and early for us. Yeah, my name it is. Yeah. My name's Stephen Hale, as you as you know, uh, probably. Uh, I'm an adjunct associate professor at Torrance University and an economist with Modern Money Lab. Now, um, as Gabby was just saying, she is a founder and the organizer of a mighty campaigning group called the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group, which had its origins in a conference that we had in Adelaide a little bit more than two years ago now, which had uh, a variety of uh, uh, famous economists, uh, including um, Stephanie Kelton and Bill Mitchell also. And we have with us today another founding member of the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group, Dr. Tori Wade, who is um, a, a former medical researcher amongst many other things um, but as far as what we're talking about today is concerned well uh, I'll let Gabby tell you because Gabby's it, um, the organizer of, of SPAG uh, about yeah. the educational activities that uh, Tori's been engaged in in our local community. Yeah absolutely so uh, welcome Tori and thank you so much for joining us. Um, um, Tori is uh, one of our powerhouse uh, organisers from the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group and previously worked with me um, at GetUp. So that's that's how I know Tori. Um, uh, so we've been sort of working side by side uh, for a, a couple of years now on various project uh, projects uh, with a small team of others. But um, it's great to have, have Tori visiting us uh, on the podcast today. Tori and I usually work together at least once a week on various activist projects. Um, uh, and Tori's joining us from the Blue Mountains, is that right? No, that's right. It's cold and foggy up here this morning. <laughs> Thank you now, for getting now, early. Our American um, viewers won't know where the Blue Mountains is, so t tell us where the Blue Mountains are. Okay. Um, they're west of Sydney and they're a very popular holiday spot for people in the summer to get away from oppressive heat. Mm. Um, or more recently, because they're very high up, to get away from some floods that we've been having recently. Yeah. Mm. And the, the bush bushfires did come through there a few years ago, didn't they? That's so certainly not immune, did. Yeah, not immune no. from climate impacts. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we had COVID as well. Yes. So. It was yeah. hard for the locals here to process the bushfires because COVID arrived right on their heels. And just getting out of COVID, the floods came. So, oh, yes, yeah. it's been very yeah. hard. Very tough. Um, so what, how I want to introduce what we're going to talk about today is in uh, modern monetary theory activist circles, there's a little saying that we try to adhere to, which is each one teach one. Um, uh, so we have gone a little bit further with that. We have sort of expanded that out to say each one teach 10 or each one teach at least several. And so I wanted to talk to Tori about how we have been doing that in the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group and um, 
uh, where people might, where and how people might be able to do this for themselves if, if, that, if that's something that they would like to get involved in. Well, go on it, Gabby. So, Tori, um, yeah, for sure. So, Tori um, has uh, come up with a uh, set of slides that we made up, which we actually have on our website, which is www.sustainable-prosperity.net.au. And there's a page on there, which is Modern Monetary Theory. And if you look on that page, you'll see our slides, uh, which um, is uh, a kind of collaborative effort, but I would say mostly Tory's work. Would that be right, Tory? Well, yes, because I'm not an economist, when I first got involved with sustainable prosperity, I'd go around asking um, lots of questions like, so what's this and what does that mean and what are bonds really and yeah. so how does this work? So um, I needed to put it together in a way that was very clear and very straightforward so that people would get the main points quickly. So I'm going to just quickly show these slides. Uh, we won't talk through them because that will uh, take that would could take a whole episode. But I'll just show people what they are what they look like. Um, so we do talk about a job guarantee in our action group, and I'll come to that soon. But I'll just flick through so that people can see the types of things that we're talking about. Where does money really come from? What are the myths? And there we have the federal government is not like a household. Very important. Talking about the deficit myth. <laughs> I love this slide. Oh! <laughs> so which sort of groups do you have you given talks to, Tori? Oh, okay. Um, well, gosh, I've given talks to um, a group of local government service providers. Um, I've given talks to um, a group at the University of the Third Age. It was a philosophy group. They were a tough, tough nuts to crack. Okay. I've given talks to branches of political parties. I've given several of those. Um, basically, anyone that um, doesn't run away from me fast enough. So that's more like each one teach a hundred. I'm working on it, yes. And I've also yeah. taught three other people to give the talk. And that is the, the critical bit, isn't it? Because uh, it's got to sort of go viral in as much as it can. So, mm -hmm. yes, so we have um, one of our other volunteers is actually queued up to give a talk this week. Uh, Tim Matthews will be giving a talk. And then we've got another invitation as well from a political party uh, um, excellently named the Pirate Party. Um, they're looking for, for a, um, a person to give an MMT talk too, so I'll be getting onto that pretty soon. Um, Despite the name, they're quite a sensible bunch. They are. Yeah, they've I got I don't know great where the name party. came from. Yeah, um, I wonder about that. Hmm. I think one of the most important things is to involve the audience when you're giving the talk. So I think one of the most powerful things I do is I explain about um, inflation and where the government should be issuing money and where not. And then I give them examples, real live examples of recent government policies like increasing rents to first-time buyers and say, well, what's this going to do to prices? And I give them about five examples and mostly the audience gets them all correct. And then I say, 
Congratulations, you're on the macroeconomic impact of government policy. So they feel empowered that they can then understand um, what they're hearing on the news and what likely impact it's going to have. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. Do you find it's easier to uh, get the message across to people who are not economists? Yeah, much easier. I mean, I don't really do talks to economists, although just by accident I'll find one or two people in a group perhaps that either done a degree in economics or have got a strong personal interest in it. Mm. Um, and if I get questions that I can't answer, I just take them notice. And I yeah. usually get excellent responses back from Stephen or Phil or someone else in SPAG that I can get back to them with. That's a good strategy, yeah. Mm. We've also been um, giving copies of Stephanie Kelton's book out to anyone that we can find who we think might uh, read it who's in a position of influence or being able to make decisions. And some of those examples are we've been to meet with politicians. Um, just recently, one of our members went to meet with the advisor from, of Rebecca Sharkey, who's an independent in the electorate where Stephen lives. And she's the member of parliament. Yeah. Yeah. We've started yeah. a conversation with, with uh, lots of different people. And I, I guess the key to it that we we really need to do more of is the follow-up. So we give them the book and then perhaps, you know, um, a couple of months later, we should be checking in with them again to say, have you read the book? What did you think of it? Do you have any questions? Um, and if we if we got our, you know, if we got our resources right and we did more of that, I think that would be a great um, uh way forward as well but just for a moment to move away from away from us and towards uh, towards people who might be listening in england or or the us mm. how do you go about getting invited to give a talk and could they use a version of our slides if they wanted to i can take that one if you like yeah um, sure well i mean i've First of all, started out by reaching out to people I already knew um, to say, would you like a talk about modern monetary theory? Um, because one of the things that's holding back progress, in my opinion, is this terrible wet blanket of we can't afford to do it. Mm. And so once I start explaining to people, look, we can afford it, and in fact we're not burdening our children and grandchildren with massive debt, people look interested. So I say, look, um, I can give a talk on this if you like, or arrange someone else to do it. Um, and then I just find out a little bit about their group, what their interests are. I, you know, that could be anything from an environmental activist group to, um, you know, a, a local group that likes to keep up with current affairs by giving talks to. to um, union reps, we, we mm. you know, are organising talks with people active in unions. Yep. So I think um, I've just done it by, um, I, what's the word, um, not a snowflake, but something where you <laughs> <laughs> go out in different directions from where you are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I that's know, uh, Sorry, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I know that um, I one of the presenters of uh, one of the KRTD shows, Jeff Epstein, does something similar in the US. So if if people would like perhaps some guidance on 
on doing a talk in the US where little things are different. Of course, the central bank has a different name, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, although the monetary system is, is much the same, then they could perhaps uh, reach out to Jeff uh, and I'm sure he, he'd help them out on that. But what Tori does is absolutely great. We, we have, um, we've also done some talks. Uh, we, we like to talk to climate activists and uh, we've done some talks. They had a festival of climate action uh, early, uh, late last year, which we had a stall at and we were able to take over the, the stage and do some talks to uh, different groups who happened to be at the festival. That was really effective. Um, we've got another one of those uh, invitations coming up soon as well. So we're just um, keeping it on the boil, aren't we, Tori? Mm. And I think now that there's uh, there's an election, a federal election coming up in um, in in Australia, probably in uh, sort of towards the end of May, we'll have a whole lot more opportunities to meet with new MPs who might have got elected as as a result of changes there and. Uh, we can start the conversation again. Yeah, you don't have to be talking to MPs, though. Like, um, it, uh, I'm sure, um, just what I took on board from what Tori was saying, that there are a lot of local organisations, if there is anyone out there watching this who's thinking, actually, I understand MMT pretty well, but I, I don't know how I'd go about giving a talk somewhere. Mm. Um, it, you'd be surprised how... Um, grateful groups sometimes are um, to first of all this is such an empowering thing to learn about but secondly if you just reach out and uh, offer to give a talk often people will say yes and uh, the more you do it the more confident you get don't worry if it's not perfect the first time you do it because the audience generally speaking is is uh, is very sympathetic anyway and even mm. if they weren't, that's only 15 people or something. <laughs> the next time around, it'll be perfect yeah. if it's not the first time around. But um, if uh, I'd like to challenge anyone watching this, if you're not doing something like this, then why not? If you've got the time, um, then you, you can. Um, it, it's a tremendous thing to have the opportunity to talk to people about something that's interesting and relevant and will mm. transform the way they look at the world and perhaps empower them. Um, anyway, enough from me for the moment. Yes, and don't forget you can grab these slides, just download them straight off our website and then you can make them your own. You don't have to use or, or everything or even all of what, you know, any of what we've got. You could make your own slides, but it's there as a resource for people if you wanted to. So um, please go and find them on our website if that's something you'd like to follow up um, on sustainable-prosperity.net.au and look for the Modern Monetary Theory page and you'll find lots of useful stuff there. Um, but you two so, are working on something else, aren't you? We are, yes. I wanted to yeah. talk to, to, I wanted to ask Tori to talk a little bit about our next big project in the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group and it involves um, the, I guess what, what is often referred to as the prescriptive side of modern monetary theory, which is aiming for full employment and a job guarantee. 
And we, this is something that we've been campaigning for since we started our group, basically. And um, we have a big event coming up. Tori, would you like to tell people about what that is? We have um, a two-day workshop coming up at the end of April in Adelaide, which is about um, designing and implementing national job guarantee. Um, and it's quite interesting, actually, because people will tell you, oh, but unemployment's gone down in Australia now that we're coming out of coronavirus. But mm. what people don't realise, perhaps, is there's two really big problems. You're counted as employed if you've worked just one hour last fortnight, yeah. which, of course, is rubbish. It really doesn't define unemployment properly. Um, and, and the second thing is that a lot of the jobs um, are exploited. So they're underpaid and casual, insecure, and don't allow people um, to plan their lives yeah. or to buy a house or to know, you know, whether to have, you know, all sorts of basic things that you'd like to have a little bit of certainty. Casualisation is a, um, a scourge in Australia and I believe in other countries as well. Not to mention wage theft and exploitation and bad mm. treatment. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's so even worse it's, in the US as well. It's true, yeah. And so we have been talking about uh, a job guarantee as a public option in the labour market where anybody who wanted work could could go and ask to be given appropriate work for their for their needs and their abilities and the job guarantee would provide them with that work. And it sounds like a, a bit idealistic, but actually it's something that, that has really, um, it wouldn't actually need to change our, in, in Australia, it wouldn't really need to change our um, tax system or our uh, public well, service that much at all, would it, Stephen? Uh, no, it, it, it wouldn't. The, the net impact on the budget is, is particularly when the official unemployment rate is very low, as it is at the moment, compared to what it's been in recent times. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be significant enough to require you to rewrite the tax system or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's administratively complicated to do, but the government already does a lot of things which are administratively administratively complicated and there, there's a big job guarantee scheme already as some, pe some people might know a rural one in India there was a huge scheme relative to the size of the country between 2002 and 2006 in Argentina which worked very well um, we have had government um, employment schemes in the past in Australia um, not quite like a federal job guarantee but yes we could uh, we could certainly do it and uh, not only are all those things true, but the, there is a, a groundswell of support for a job guarantee in more than one political party at the moment. The Greens have a sort of young person's job guarantee as part of their policy platform. Mm -hmm. And every branch of young labour in Australia, except New South Wales, and that's just a matter of time, um, has come out in support of a job guarantee, as have uh, some trade unions and I believe you might have the senior economist at the Australian Confederation of Trade Unions giving a talk at your conference is that right? 
We're hoping to have uh, as one of our uh, presenters, Lachlan McCall, um, mm-hmm. who is, yes, the senior economist at the ACTU, or just been appointed to that role. Um, if he can't fly over to be with us in person, we're hoping that he will join us o- online, which is um, almost as good. <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, Tori, I wondered if, if you would talk to us a little bit about the kinds of questions we'll be asking in this two-day workshop. Some of the really interesting, um, I guess, tensions or grey areas around the edges of a job guarantee that people love to really sink their teeth into. Sure. Um, It's really going to be an actual workshop, not just a talk fest where you go and listen to people talking one after the other because we do... After we've covered the basics, like how would you pay for a job guarantee and who would run it, which would have to be the federal government because they're the ones who would be issuing the currency to pay for it. Um, Some of the issues that we'll be looking at in more detail um, are how would you actually implement it, like where would you start, Mm. Um, what scale would you start it at and how would you expand it to cover all of Australia, like who would be the organisations employing these people? And mm. we reckon that there are two main ones. One's local government, which covers all of Australia and, and knows about local needs, and the other ones are the Aboriginal community organisations because mm. they run um, schemes that have elements in common with the job guarantee before they're successful. But yeah. there'll be other organisations that will want it. Um, we're having a particular interest in looking at a job guarantee in the arts because mm. the arts have been absolutely smashed by the pandemic and they were struggling before. And the government, the federal government we've got at the moment is to the arts. So mm. it's been really tough. So mm. we've looked at how could a job guarantee uh, work for the arts? Would it need to be um, jobs of community relevance like you know, murals or teaching people or... Um, you know, um, running arts projects that the local community wants, or could there be a section of it where artists um, would get stipends to um, work on their own art practice? Mm. Um, those sorts of things we haven't worked out yet, but we do know that the arts is really important for all communities, really, and for mm. each country's understanding of who they are and where they're going and what mm. issues. We know the arts punch way above their weight and they've been really terribly elected. So we want to see what a job guarantee could perhaps offer that sector. Yes. And full full disclosure, um, Tori, you're an artist, aren't you? And I am, by the way. I am, but um, I'm also a retired person with superannuation, so I wouldn't be personally benefiting from the job no. guarantee in the arts. No, but Tori is a brilliant artist. And, you and I really care about the art. And is a professional musician. I was a professional musician. I'm, so. I'm the only non-artist in the room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something I've been thinking about um, is, uh, you know, the Irish basic income for artists uh, program. And I wondered if we, you know, whether something, like if we can't resolve this tension about what's in and what's out with the with the arts question, whether 
whether something like a basic income for artists as a completely separate campaign might be something worth fighting for and then just keep the job guarantee to the, the um, more or less the two really big areas of work, which is environmental repair and restoration and caring for people, particularly elderly people, to keep to help them remain independent and um, uh, live well and not need as much um, expenditure on, on uh, you know, residential aged care and so forth. I think the job, the, I think the basic income scheme for artists in Ireland is more of a job guarantee, really. Is that how you think? Okay. Well, they call it a basic income for artists, but I think people are expected to produce. Right. Somehow. Okay. Um, but I don't. I, I I haven't looked into the detail of it. And you have to be. You have to have been a professional artist. It's mm. not. It's not. I want to do some art. Give me some money. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not how it works. Yeah. So you have to. You have to. You have to have some professional credentials. Mm. So you can call it whatever you like, really, to mm. make it popular. You could call a job guarantee a basic income, but um, if if it involves some requirement um, mm. for people to participate in social provisioning, then then it's a it's 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 a job guarantee. So I I think the terms you use are as much about marketing mm. as anything. And that's else. one of the things we'll be looking at also in the workshop. How do we best market this what are the messages that we really want to get out there and also we want to have a session on what could possibly go wrong we want yes. to know who can oppose it and mm. how we're going to deal with those objections and mm. because things obviously could go wrong and mm. then people that don't like it will come swarming in like seagulls sensing chips to go up, you know <laughs> and um, so we need to be prepared for all of that yeah, yeah. So for Adelaide listeners, um, if you would like to come and join us, if you haven't already got a, uh, if you haven't already booked your spot, it is going to be on Sunday the 24th and Monday the 25th of April, uh, just a few weeks from now. Um, it unfortunately it's not the sort of thing that we can do on, you know, have an online option, just because it really is about. Uh, discussion and interaction and collaboration uh, and that's really hard to recreate in a in an online format although we did having said that we did a shorter version of what we're trying to achieve um, online earlier in the year and that was very successful and we also previously had uh, a session on a job guarantee and volunteers could we talk a little bit about that before we finish up Tori Yes, we ran a deliberative forum because you can see if an organisation has already recruited a lot of volunteers, would also having a job guarantee disrupt that? Mm. We, we talked it through in detail and we came to the conclusion that there were two types of volunteers, ones that were volunteering because they had to get unemployment benefits or they were desperate to get back to work and they wanted networks and mm. experience. And for mm. those people, it would be entirely appropriate for them to move from being a volunteer to being a job guarantee worker. Yeah. And then there are the other that are doing it for their own personal interests um, who, provided the organisation, continue to welcome them and um, treat them well and probably keep doing just what they're doing. 
So there, there wasn't as much of a conflict as we thought there could be, was our conclusion. Yeah, and I can imagine a situation where job guarantee workers and volunteers are working side by side. And, you know, in something like, for example, care for native bushland in, in South Australia, there's so much that needs to be done there. And you might see, um, you know, a handful of volunteers working and kind of fighting the tide of invasive species. And, um, uh, and I think, you know, people do that work because they love it. If they had an opportunity to be paid for that work, um, I, I can't see that many people would complain <laughs> about that. But if they wanted um, more of a, I guess, a come, come as you please um, situation with, with work rather than needing to be turning up regularly and sticking to certain hours and um, doing doing perhaps more of it, then um, I can't see, you know, I can't really see the issue with that, with those two different um, types of workers, volunteer workers and job guarantee workers working side by side. And the other thing is that volunteers have enormous amounts of skills and expertise that can be passed on. Exactly. People who have a lot of experience um, working with revegetation, and I'm sure that they'd be delighted to um, be part of a small in-house education program for people who are just starting out. Yeah, because a lot of these things, you know, you can actually make it worse if you don't approach it correctly. And we need um, people who have been doing it for a while and people who know the science behind it um, to kind of take the lead on that for sure. We'll have to wind up pretty soon because Gab Gabrielle has another appointment after this one. Uh, but uh, yes. I, before we finish, um, although people can't, or well, people can come from places like Sydney and Melbourne to maybe to Adelaide to to uh, the workshop, but although people obviously can't come from the US to the workshop, they could perhaps read Tory's report, couldn't they? Yes. It's not and quite ready yet, but it's nearly there. Yeah. So that's another project that we're working on and it will be, um, I guess, uh, updated to include the some of the learnings out of the Job Guarantee Workshop that we're having at the end of April. Um, but this is something that, again, we, can, we are hoping to be able to pass on to political candidates, to anyone who is in a position of influence within the hope that they read it and... Uh, think about how a job guarantee is not only possible in in Australia, it's it's actually possible in less than a year. You know, we could actually do this. It's it's such an empowering feeling to be working on something that's achievable and would just be transformative for the lives of so many people. Um, and it's just a brilliant idea that's been been offered to to any anyone brave enough to take it up. I think it, it's, I think we've got such a lot of momentum now that it's quite likely to happen. I just don't know when it will happen. Even uh, uh, people who will be ALP cabinet ministers have been heard saying about a job guarantee, at least it's not a universal basic income, which is their way of grudgingly saying, well, maybe if you're going to push us, we could do this. Um, and there are so many, um, so many uh, people um, like Tori and Gabby and like Lachlan, the economist at the ACTU and many others we could mention that are behind it, that it has a lot of momentum now. So um, I'd like to thank 
uh, Tori for her uh, amazing efforts, some of which we've been talking about today, mm. and Gabby too. And yeah. just remind everybody that uh, finally we should get to talk to the fund manager, Con Michalakis, um, who is the uh, um, chair of Modern Money Lab uh, that we both work for uh, next week. And then just say, uh, any last thoughts, Gabby? Anything you'd like to add? Um, I just really enjoyed this conversation. It's um, uh, mm. it's talking about work that we that I do every day, and it's been great having Tori. Thank you, Tori, on. Thank you so much. And I think we should um, get uh, more activists on this program. <laughs> That's absolutely well. <laughs> what? Well, you're the booking agent, so. I <laughs> <laughs> to you. Thanks very much, Tori, and, and uh, enjoy, uh, the, you enjoy the rest of your holiday. Yes, yeah. and we will see you when you come back to Adelaide and looking forward to getting getting the show on the road. Excellent. Thanks for listening, see everyone. Yes, yeah, thank you. See Goodbye. You Bye. Bye.